this music stuff is such a a balm for the, you know, how we've talked about people are so polarized, you know. And you can be polarized by music too, but you can also be brought together. And And it is, it's something fun to talk about. People love it, you know. It's like food. We can sort of all, uh, we can't all agree, but everyone likes food, people like music, and you can learn about a person. And some people can't communicate very well, and this is a little shorthand to tell about yourself to people. I think that's all great. Life gets easier if we figure it out together. Welcome to The Lisa Show. There is an assumed soundtrack to each of our lives. We hear a certain song and we're transported back into time in a certain place or how we felt about ourselves. In fact, I read an interesting article that talked about how our music taste and our discovery sort of caps or at least slows down in our early 20s. Like by 26, we already know like what kind of music we like, what we've listened to, and the majority of the music that we'll continue to listen to for the rest of our lives. And that sounds a little stifling. I think most of us want to appear or really be a little bit more open-minded about music, but it is, I think, an underrated way to bring you instant joy and happiness and to enrich your life and to connect you to other people. So knowing that, I wanted to really invite Casey Faulkner, who has introduced me to a lot of really great music and who lives with a very great, very strong soundtrack to her life. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to be here. What is the album that changed your life? I I mean, mean, let's just dive in. I'm going to tell you what it is, and it might not, you might be surprised, and I want to talk about other songs and other music, but one that is life-changing, I will tell you, because you're right, it is it is a quick way to transport back in time. Yeah. And a lot of times you're sort of set and know what you like. I happen to have evolved, continued to evolve because I, it always comes back to this, hate myself. No, stop. <laughs> but sometimes when I hear songs that remind me of high school, even though I'm locked in and I'm a super fan, I get the creeps. I don't like to listen to it. Really? So I like to learn new songs. And then okay. I like to have... It's just like I don't like watching TV during the day. I love watching TV all night, but it reminds me of a time in my life when I, I <laughs> before TiVo. <laughs> anyway, so I get what you're saying, and I think that's right. I happen to have changed because I have such strong ties to music that sometimes it's too painful to listen. It reminds me of things that I don't like. Oh, yeah, me too. Or, you know, before something or before I changed in a certain way or whatever. So um, I don't have a a running soundtrack of my life. It's it's changing. It evolves. I think that's beautiful, though, and that's more like an art form and living your Thank life you. artfully. When I hear people who'd say, oh, I don't know, I just listen to whatever is on the radio, I think, no, no, not just whatever's on. Mm-hmm. You know, you should seek out the stuff that you love. It will enrich your life. It will enrich your life. I love my oldies. I love my new newies. And I love, and I get sick of some old things, and I don't like a lot of new things. It's fine. I am a music lover. I am not saying I have good music taste. I'm just I very am saying str- that you do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I have even, very strong yes, attachments to yes. music, and it's very formative to me. And okay, so- and 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 here's the hook for me when I think, why would we talk about this on the Lisa Show? Is because. And, and I want to set this up from the very beginning so that we have an intention when we listen to this because 
it, it would be easy to dismiss as, yeah, some people are super into music and some people aren't. The way that you craft the music that you listen to and when you listen to it and how you listen to it, like in playlists, mm-hmm. makes your life better and has made other people's lives better in a surprising way. And so that's what I'm really excited that you'll be able to share that with. So if this album is going to be <laughs> surprising to me, I, I don't want to wait any okay. longer. What is it? The Well, there's a backstory, but the okay. album is 1991's R.E.M. Out of Time. Now, it's is as much for the songs as anything. I did graduate in 90. You know, whatever. Do the math. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do like the songs, and I'm a huge R.E.M. fan. I love R.E.M. Yeah. And I have always loved R.E.M. They were formative for me because when I listened to them, I was high school and college. And I grew up in a small town, a really conservative town, with wonderful, and a college town, like fine. Like, it's not like I was you know, totally sheltered. But there are a lot of things that, a lot of viewpoints that I was introduced to through music. For me, listening to music is like reading. So you get to see a point of view that you wouldn't otherwise get. And I care a lot about what the authors intend. Not everyone does, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) And R.E.M., while my mom hated them because they were so obnoxious, I loved them because they taught me about activism and caring about not just politics, but the world and that you could do things with music. And my mom thought it was so annoying. And here's an annoying anecdote, <laughs> okay. um, which I loved. But like Michael Stipe, the lead singer for R.E.M., was up for an award on like, I don't know, a Grammy or MTV Music or something. And he won one or two. He was nominated for a lot. And he went up and he had a t-shirt on that was like for whatever cause, like probably recycling or environmental or something like that. And probably some political ones or whatever. He probably didn't like President Bush. It was probably things like that. This was the time. Okay. I don't remember those things. But I do know that he won an award and then for the next award, he took his shirt off. He had about 10 shirts on (laughs) for everyone that he was nominated for. (laughs) And he didn't win all of them. But then it was really self-deprecating because he only won a couple. But on the last one, he went up and took all of his shirts off to show all of his messages. <laughs> now, someone like my mom thought that was so obnoxious. And I, I mean, you can see that as being obnoxious. But I was very, I thought, that is cool. You know, it, it, not about the causes necessarily, although I, I think he's great. And I, I like a lot of things he cares about. But again, I don't remember them. That he would use a platform in that way. This was new, right? To, yeah. nobody, nobody even knew what a platform was. We didn't have followers and things like that. This was just, he won an award. This was in the early it's days It's really of rare that you get a yeah. camera on you. That was a platform. And I thought, you know, whether or not people are going to think it's obnoxious, he's taking this risk because he cares about how he's using this time in front of a camera. And I thought that was cool. And so you'll let me tell you a little story going back in time. I love this. <laughs> I also worked at a record store growing up. So I have a lot of memories about that too. That's why I just, a lot of things are imprinted on me music-wise. And because I'm so sensitive to it, that's why some songs that I might love, they might remind me of a person that I hate. <laughs> I won't Aww. listen to it. <laughs> or I might hate the person who sings it because I found out something about them. You know, it's, I, it's very, I'm very sensitive. Anyway, here's why I love, <laughs> why I would say Out of Time was life-changing. 
you might remember the change from <laughs> records, of course. First we had eight tracks, then we had records, then we had cassettes. Yes. Cassettes for a long time. For a long time. But we still had records. And when we got cassettes, if you worked at a record store, they put them in these plastic containers so that they were still as tall as records, so that you could still use the same shelves. Then we got CDs. <laughs> <laughs> and um, CDs were bigger than tapes, but smaller than records and could be self-contained as they are now if you've seen them just in a plastic case and shrink-wrapped. But when they first came out, they were in long, skinny cardboard boxes. Remember? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> because yes. they had to still be as tall as records when they're in the shelf or in the bins at a record store. Yeah. Okay. Are you? Is this oh, a vision? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You I can, can see, see this. Yeah, going to and so, and I worked at a record store, Nebraska. so I remember this. It just seems so obvious to have them. Well, what are we going to do? We can't remodel the whole store, but two CDs in these long boxes are the same width as an album. <laughs> And so that's what everyone did it. Like they did, yeah. they did it. Not just my record store, like record companies had them come out in these long cardboard boxes and they were half empty. Like it was just a giant empty box. It was just a little CD at the top. Yeah. Do you remember what yeah. I'm? Okay. Yeah. So that's the backdrop. And REM's Out of Time came out on CD in 1991 and they had this big long box. And it's a ton of <laughs> wasted paper. And at the time I mentioned Michael Stipe and R.E.M. cared a lot about trees and like recycling and things like that. And they were right too, because <laughs> look at yeah, where we are now. We haven't solved that problem yet, but whatever, this is not, I don't have an agenda. I'm just telling a story. <laughs> they didn't want to waste the box because it's that. such a waste of paper and it's so dumb. It's not very conservation minded. Right. But at the time, um, I think it was a it was them plus a, a producer at their label wanted to you might re again this is a lot of backstory I'm sorry no it's okay <laughs> this was at the time before you could just automatically register to vote at the DMV which now you can do it's called Motor Voter and it's really cool and it makes yeah. it easier to register but this had to become a law we had to be able to do this and at the time this was on the books like do we want to be mm -hmm. able to do this and record companies not surprisingly wanted record buyers who are usually younger and of a certain you know kind of vibe wanted them to vote and they wanted them to be registered to vote and so why not make it easier to register to vote by letting them sign up when they get their driver's license or when they're you know you go into the DMV you get your driver's license you're registered to vote when you're old enough to vote it's a super easy way to do it yeah. and then you capture a lot of young voters mm -hmm. which these record companies wanted and so they um, REM had them use the box to have a petition about the motor voter <laughs> registration. I forgot about and that. And it had a postcard that you could send your senator with all this information, and that way people could use it. And I sent it in, and people sent it in, and I remember working at the record store and people saving them and sending them in. And then they, it, it actually did pass, and it's it's a great thing, you know. That's and looking so, back, yeah. that is a cool thing for democracy and for everyone involved. The voter registration, being able to do that at the DMV is a nice convenience. So that record changed my life. Oh, absolutely. Because it just makes you think that is a cool thing to do. Why not be aware and like use your voice and 
And, and no one had ever done that before. And now they don't do that anymore because those, that's a waste of paper, those huge boxes. They, they're just in the little plastic case now. <laughs> anyway, right. so are you surprised that I picked that? Yes, I am. Because of all the, the music that you enjoy and to consume, it goes beyond that. And and this yes. is what I think good art does, though. And this exactly. is why everybody's got to find their, they their they art They used this, medium. you know, it was the whole thing was the message. And like, yeah. again, you may not agree with them. You might not like R.E.M., but I love their music. I love Michael Stipe. I like the band. I think they're good. And I like what they're all about. And I like that they did this, even their packaging, you know, like I think that I thought that was really cool. Well, and fast forward a few years to see how that's influenced who you are and what you do today, where you're very active in local politics, in, I mean, so many worthy causes. Do you credit this as as the beginning or or as just a, a part I of actually it? totally do. You really do? All, yes. Oh, man. I learned almost everything about history, contemporary world history from you too. <laughs> I know you too. I mean, they made me really aware of stuff. I just didn't know. I didn't watch the news. I mean, nobody did. I was a kid and there was nothing else. And so stuff that you two was talking about, I was like, what is happening? What is going on? Another thing, Bob Dylan, this is different. I love Bob Dylan. Everyone loves Bob Dylan. He's this great uh, folk singer. And this is also personal too, but he has a song called I Believe in You. This was life-changing for me too. It's about believing in Jesus. Like it's his testimony, which again, you may or may not have those same views, but this just told me that is like such a cool thing to do. Like this is really high stakes stuff. He's like really saying what he thinks. And I was like very moved by that. I I can't believe this guy. I mean, we know that he had a kind of a wild life and did all kinds of different things. We know a lot of things about Bob Dylan. And one of the other things we know about him is that he believes in Jesus because he's saying it in the song and it's totally earnest. Yeah. And that was life-changing for me too, just to like be who you are. I mean, this these things made me less shy and they taught me about other people. You know, that this guy, this famous guy is also a Christian. I didn't know that, you know, they didn't have websites. I only learned about it from lyrics. Do you remember the first time that you heard the song or that you like yes. put it all together? Where were you? Set the stage. I was in high school. I might have even been, I mean, I was old. I might have even been in college. And I was just, it's a beautiful slow ballad. You know the song? Yeah. Yeah. It's and beautiful. I just was like, Bob Dylan believes in Jesus Christ. Like this is about Jesus. It's about like, I believe in you and I'm going to try to be a good person and do good things. And it was just so earnest. It was beautiful. I, it made me get tears in my eyes. I love that. Music has that ability though to reach a different part of our brain that is connected to identity yeah. and um, and memory yes. in a way. And I think we can use it yeah, in and a I, better way. The other way. thing I want to say is that I, I will say that music is just the simplest, cheapest way to cheer myself up, you know. There's all kinds of things you can do. You can take depression medicine and all of that. I'm all for all of that. I do all of that. And calling a friend, getting outside, having some sunlight, exercising, eating good food, drinking water, all of that stuff. Yeah, is we're good. moms. We know Like the I list. know all of these things, but um, <laughs> do it all. That really the thing that works for me, and not everyone is like this, but most people, you can probably play music. You can play music and make yourself cry and make yourself sad if you want. Confirmed. Uh, yes, I know. And as you know, I like to keep tabs on you through your Spotify listening. This is how I check on friends. 
we have to explain a little bit. I was just telling our friend about this, that for whatever reason or whenever, I don't know when it happened, Casey has access to my Spotify list, probably because I follow a lot of... We follow you, each other. And well, we follow seen each other, playlists. yeah. And I, and I listen to a lot of your playlists. And that's another um, sort of art form that I want to talk to you about a little bit later. But if I'm listening to my... I think it's called Let's Lean In to This. And it's yeah, all my I worry about that whenever I see where you I listening wanna, to like, that. I want to just cry and feel my deepest mm-hmm. feelings. And, and boy, those, those songs will help is okay. me do that. But it's, if I've listened it can to be the cathartic. too long or mm-hmm. too often, I'll inevitably get a text or a call from Casey saying, now I've noticed on Spotify. <laughs> it's time to put on your, you let's okay? go for a run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's play but you can you. cheer yourself. Everyone has a hype song. But I mean, what there's a great a ton like, of, tool um, for a friendship. There's a lot of, it is a great tool. And I love to check in on you on that way. And you know what else is I knew what our friend's daughter was having a baby, Wendy. And I was looked at her daughter Maddie's playlist and I knew that she was having a boy. <laughs> because of her playlist? Yeah. You well, I had a guess because I had been daughter's looking. Daughter's baby. And so I was like, okay, I think I know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Anyway. You can tell a lot about a person by their, oh, their playlist. Really so this can deepen, uh, yeah, family and friend connections too. <laughs> it's really great and it can it can cheer you up and it can give you another viewpoint and make you think. And, and some songs are really sad and our viewpoints that you are uncomfortable with and I mean you don't have to I mean just listen to what you like it's fine but it's like reading for me Where do you discover new music? Because I I think that's the big thing. I when we were teenagers mm-hmm. and in our early twenties, you had this sort of time that, not maybe time, but that's what you would talk about with your friends, yeah. and you were sort of into it in a discovery mode. And when you get a little bit older, it's mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of get out of that and get stuck in sort of a rut. So I I feel like that's a common question of like, well, how do you really discover new? Yeah, it, and I really did have years and years when I was having little babies, and it was sort of in between CDs and then. And before, what was it called? Apple Music, iMusic, which was great. And I love Spotify and all of these things. But in that time, I kind of, you kind of out of it. So I get it. Um, But now I get music from my kids. I mean, they have wonderful taste and they have lots of things and they're always listening. And I mean, TikTok, these TikTok songs, sometimes you just hear a new song there or sometimes you're wondering like how all these people know some old song. It's Mm -hmm. a TikTok song. So that's always kind of funny. I will say that, and I get good recommendations from you. You know, you tell me what you are listening to or I just find out. (laughs) You do a little digging. (laughs) (laughs) But I will tell you, these algorithms, now we've been taught to fear the algorithms for like when AI takes over our lives and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. But these Spotify algorithms are amazing and they recommend stuff that is so good. And I always listen to what Spotify recommends. Yeah, this is non spawn. This is not an ad, but no. (laughs) They keep track of everything you listen to. It's such a pleasure. It's so fun. They'll tell you everything that you're like your number. They did the funny Spotify rap, your number one song this year. <laughs> but they're really pretty good at recommending new stuff that's similar. I don't know how they do it, but and sometimes I don't like it, but 
That's also a really great place. I love to listen to Sirius XM. I listen to that. Satellite radio is wonderful. There's all different kinds of stations. And that is fun, though, and yeah. a great way to just sort of discover it. And it is a different art form to create your own playlist mm-hmm. with a story. And and back in the day, and one of the reasons why I still like albums mm-hmm. is that that was what the artist would do for you, that when they created an album, it was intended to listen from mm-hmm. beginning, beginning to, to end. end. In that order. In that order. Do you think that that most albums are intended to do that now or that we've gotten away from that? And how also do you create or what do you think about when you create a a playlist? My playlists are very mood-based or by theme or by, you know, content, rarely by artists because you can find one by artists easier than I can put it all together. So I go into the weeds a little bit on my playlist, but I think you're right. I don't think people listen to whole albums that much anymore. It's a little bit of a dying form. So it's kind of fun. I don't know. I don't know what artists do because they, yeah. singles are so accessible. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you used to not be able to just get and a single. And they release singles. Yeah. And now they release singles. Before the album. Before the album. And then, I mean, I don't know if they are, I think when you hear them talking, they are still thinking of certain concepts and feels to albums, so they must still care about it. But I don't think people listen to whole albums very often, and I still like to do that. And I actually have different standards for like a whole album. Like my very favorite song is probably just a song, but it might not even be on my very favorite album because I'm counting the whole album. Okay, so let's so get into that So they're separate and then. together. So your playlists are by mood. I think that... And usually by song. Mm-hmm. Um thematic, you know, or whatever, seasonal. <laughs> yeah. Or just new things I want to remember. And works of art. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. I do spend an inordinate amount of time on them. So and research. And research, which is also fun. And there's so many fun, being able to look up lyrics now. I mean, it's so great. It's so nice. Yeah, it's you such don't have to treat. track it down. And like I like to read day. lyrics. So I listen to music differently. Some people really care more about, you know, they don't care what they say. And that's fine. And, and you can, it means something different if it's just like, the music and you don't care. You don't get bogged down in what they're saying. I do care what they say, but yeah. I don't think everyone should. Everyone's different, but I do care what they say. Anyway, I do like to know what the lyrics are. If there's history, I love to know where samples are and where they come from. Mm-hmm. But I will talk, and we may have talked about this before, but I do have this new fun thing. It's not that new, but something I've been doing for a while is my record collection. Yeah, I call it the project. The project, This yeah. is the project, and you've actually convinced me to do this yeah. at a time when I was a little down in the dumps mm-hmm. and needed a refocusing. And I like this offering because it was different than anything that I'd ever heard before. <laughs> it was not on my list of like, get some sunshine, exercise, mm-hmm. journal. It was not on that list. It was something totally new. And because of the novelty of it, I have participated in the project. So yeah, the project is it. fun. I like it. it. The project is buying records. Um, for me, I like to buy one for every year that I've been alive, and I pick one, the very best record that year. Not one that I listened to then, because I didn't really listen to records when I was two years old. But I look back now, <laughs> and it involves a lot of research, and it has to be a whole album and have criteria, no skippable songs, all kinds of things like that. Now, there are other ways that you could do this, but this is what I've chosen to do. And the reason why it's so surprisingly fun is because... Vinyl is like in style now and it's fun and it's coming back and you're starting to see record stores, which, by the way, it's been gone for a long, long time. We all had to get used to acquiring music in a new way for like years and years and years, 20 years. 
But now it's like new and fun and they're there and we're just not used to it. So I go into a record store and I have a hard time because I'm like, well, I have all of this on Apple Music or on Spotify. Why would I buy this? I feel so wasteful, you know, for like a mom like me. I'm like, well, why would I buy this? I can listen to any of these on my phone right now. <laughs> yeah. But there is kind of an aesthetic to this permanent object. And again, getting mm -hmm. back to, and I think artists always have, but even maybe there's more of a returning to it now that albums are back in style. The cover art, what's inside. This big thing that wasn't a big thing earlier in my day was the colors of the vinyl. Yeah. That's just so fun. You they can they get go nuts with those and, and they're neon all special. And clear. So it's an artifact now. And it's kind of fun to get it. But then I'm just like, well, what do I buy? Every album I like? Why would I? I can still listen to them. Like, it's just hard. It's overwhelming it's for overwhelming. me to go in there like, well, what would I buy that I can't listen to? Why do I want it? And so I kind of narrowed it down that I would just start and go year by year. And then it's a really fun process. It's a fun, really fun topic at parties or with people it to is. ask, well, what would you pick if 1985, even if you weren't born or even if you were little, you can look back, you can see everything that came out. Okay, well, what am I going by? This one has a really good song, but the rest of it is not good. And it's really fun. And then you remember things and you can sort of pick your own criteria. And I've only gone few. I mean, this isn't like a huge expense. It's it's a hobby. I've only done a few years, like maybe eight years. So this is like an ongoing life project. The funnest part is talking about it. It is. And I like keep a little list and you have different criteria than I, I do. Have. Yeah. I was just going to ask you Tell about me that. yours. Well, okay. So my criteria was oh. I, I, want, I wanted to get an album for every year mm -hmm. that I've been alive. Okay. So that's the same as you. I started doing the research and keeping a detailed notebook mm -hmm. um, about, okay, <laughs> what were the best-selling albums? Yes. Then also, what were the albums that I just liked that sometimes aren't best-selling, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. then I would make a list for that for every year. And I would... <laughs> <laughs> also do it by decade. So I would yes. look at the 70s, Fun. the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, the 10s, and the, yeah. And, and right now. So I want to pick like a winner of the decade, which mm -hmm. I haven't done That's yet, fun. but I'm like still researching that. that of like, yeah. what is the album of that decade? But when I got into the weeds of like, because I liked what is the best album. So mm -hmm. the one that maybe defined the generation mm -hmm. that was not only popular, but had the most like non-skippable songs. Because mm -hmm. I might have like my favorite song on one album, but I don't like the rest of the, right. the songs or whatever. So, but like is legitimately that. And then I, j I added the, <laughs> the escape clause mm -hmm. that if that nostalgia would always win. Okay, yes. Okay, I remember you telling so, me this. So it was so fun to talk about and argue and think, okay, this is the best album, but this one is the one that meant the most mm -hmm. to me because it would be one mm -hmm. that like my brother bought me exactly. in the sixth grade or the one that when I hear it, I remember this beautiful memory and, mm -hmm. and I always let nostalgia win. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. That's good. I mostly mine are what... I because I I might not have necessarily had it then, this album right because when I was little or I yeah. mean I didn't actually own a lot of albums but so yeah you kind of have to narrow it down but thinking what's, about yeah it what's your criteria is so fun it's similar and I look at the best selling just to get ideas because mm -hmm. I can't remember everything and then it's just fun to look at those but if it's a bestseller that I just don't like I will never pick it I know that's me too yeah and but but what's I good would, is, well, is I usually by, there's about. You know, five to eight that are like, oh, these were the album of that year. Yeah. And, but if there's one that I loved then, but I don't still love, I won't buy it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to like it now. What was the first album that you bought? Well, the first album I bought, uh, oh, in, in real life or and, for my no, project? And for your project, okay. and what year was it? 
for my project, I bought 1972 uh, David Bowie um, and uh, Ziggy Stardust, which I didn't even I didn't even get into David Bowie until I mean in the 80s he had like Let's Dance and all of that. I didn't get into early David Bowie until I heard like a Bauhaus cover of Ziggy Stardust, and then I went back like. You had to do it like that then. You couldn't just go and listen to all the cool early stuff. You didn't know about it. And so I was older. I mean, I always loved David Bowie because we had MTV and there were videos. Not MTV. We had HBO. There were videos on HBO, just a very few videos. Oh. And then, of course, I had MTV. And you of were course, rich we're not even. We I, never yeah. got HBO. I, well, we can talk about <laughs> videos too and MTV. That was a huge culture. And that's a yeah. big part of my memories too. So I like, that's part of why I love music so much. But David Bowie was on MTV with, I mean, fame and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. So some of David Bowie I was contemporary with. But by the time, that wasn't even the, what I consider now like the coolest David Bowie. But David Bowie is one that I love because he's a rare artist that we got to see the whole course mm-hmm. of his life where he's, you know, kind of failed at parenting when he was a young kind of drug addict and then got married and had a long marriage and tried to do better as he got later, you know, got older in life. And he's someone who made music until the very end, the very, very end. His and last so, album, Black the, and Star, the last album just is so breaks good. my it's heart. So I love it. And it's that's beautiful. a trajectory. This is rare that there's this whole trajectory of his life from beginning to end, all his foibles, all his flaws, it's all out there. And you could see it. It's a really beautiful art because he was an artist the whole time and he was really productive till the very end. But so I love David Bowie. But then I kind of went back as a teenager, got into earlier stuff. And then I realized when I started doing my project that me and Ziggy Stardust were like born the same month. Like they were released at the same time. Oh, how interesting. And so I was like, oh, I love this. Like we, we came to earth at the same time. And that's when I first started my project. Like I'm going to do this for every year. This was the year I was born. This was born too. Well, what about the next year? That's how I first thought of it is when I was like looking up some stuff from Ziggy Stardust or from David Bowie. That tour came to Utah. <laughs> I never knew that. I heard. I about, can you imagine? That. And wow. I mean, and it was very radical and wild. Like you've probably seen the movie of it. That came to Salt Lake City in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love that. Whoa. But that was the first one that I bought, and and then that just launched it because it was yeah. so fun thinking about it. It was actually well, was and just, you've gotten me into it. We've gotten to a lot of people it, yeah. into it. It's so fun to go into a when I go into the record store and I talk to the owner of Three Hives. Yes. Sam, this is our local. They know about the project. they know about the project. Yeah. They'll say, and they what love are you to weigh in. They're like, ooh, yes. okay, that year. Well, what about this? I, and it's then fun you have to talk somebody, about. and I've met new friends and me been able too. to talk about it. And they've made recommendations for me too because yes. I had, couldn't decide for or like 2007. Say, well, what should we look for? Should we order yeah. something? And I love that it it is like a connecting it's like fun. activity. I would have never thought of it before. Yeah, and you shouldn't be. I mean, there is kind of the hipster stereotype that it's like intimidating. But like, I'm just I'm an older mom and. They're nice to me in record stores, and it's fine. Just have yeah, confidence in what you like. You probably like cool things. You probably have good taste, but don't worry and don't be self-conscious. I've noticed that our kids, they're more, I mean, everyone wants to be cool and talk about it, but um, mm-hmm. I, they're a little bit more self-conscious. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, because yeah, we just listen it's, to it's, everything. Because it's a different, it's, it, it's a bigger part of their identity. We're like, yeah. oh, this is just one thing. Yeah, it's one thing, and do. I used and to listen like to the radio, the so I listened to everything that came <laughs> yeah. on, like Top Four. Like I get but it. But I do like it when my kids want to talk about the project with me too, and they'll yeah. say, "This is what I think oh, you should my consider kids are into it too. for 2008," or "This is what you should consider for 2020." I think this is the best, you know. And I they'll love that they'll, too. they'll give me recommendations, and I'll think, "Well, I'll say to them, I'll take it under advisement," or or 
plead your case. Yes. And it's been a fun It's fun to have them make an argument. Mine yeah. too, and we love talking about it. And I just think they were maybe a little bit embarrassed of me at the beginning. Like, don't do this but on the record now? store. But I'm like, what? I mean, I'm buying a record. They're happy to have me here. They're happy they, to have my business. Exactly. <laughs> and you get to listen to this record too, so yeah. good on you. And it's fun. But I do remember, this is going back to, harkens back to the olden days. My first record that I ever bought yeah. was AHA. Oh, it take was, on me, take blew on me away, me, blew me away. It's a cliche now, but everybody's heard it. But it, it's not even. It's it's a good song. It's a great. And song. if you can imagine hearing it for the first time, ever, never, having never heard it, I remember I was in grade school and I just thought it was the most wonderful, beautiful, yeah, awesome song. And the video was the coolest thing. And I, I hear it all the time. My kids sing all the words, and I'm like, how do you know? Take on me. It's in a, it's in movies and commercials. It's a wonderful it's song. It's a great song. And that was my first album. I split it. My sister and I, my stepsister were the same age, Heidi. Oh, yeah. And we would go halvesies on the record, tape it off, <laughs> and she would keep that, and I would keep the record. I mean, it was awesome for me. Tape it off. And she would tape it. She didn't have a record it. player. Oh, that is And that's amazing. how we bought it. All, all our, well, a lot of our records at the beginning, but I remember buying them. I just heard, I remember hearing it on the radio. It was just yeah. arresting. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's a wonderful song. I, it's so good. I remember hearing that for the, hearing first it for the time. first time. What was the first record you bought? The first record I bought, like by my own, not yes. as a gift, mm-hmm. but I bought with my own money was Octoon. Oh, baby. you too. You bought you the too. record of that. I bought the record so you of you probably that. bought tapes before that. Yeah. And before yeah. I had bought tapes of like U2 and REM. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to, and Michael Jackson. I got Michael Jackson for Thriller, a Thriller for my third grade birthday. Oh, so my gave brother it to me. got it as a tip for his paper route. And oh, we were tip? so, because he was a DJ at KFRX <laughs> in Lincoln, Nebraska. That is awesome. And so he <laughs> got that album and, um, we were like, play it, play it again. So See, so it's cool. basically like scrapbooking. You tap into your life. <laughs> it's easy, com- no low, low commitment, low time. It's fun. Makes you so happy. It's a serotonin boost. It's fun. Something to talk about. What, what album do you think that you have, over the course of your life, listened to the most in totality? Ooh. Yeah. I'm not prepared for this. Good. Probably um, Tom Petty, Heartbreaker. That kind of surprises me, but I love that answer. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's such a great Is album. Is that the name of the album? It's the it's, it's Heartbreaker. Pink. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see it. You can picture it. I just, I love Tom Petty. And I love, he's so listenable. He is. Not everything is listenable. That's another one of my criteria. I've been listening to Tom Petty, Wildflowers. Oh, that's a beautiful, I love that one too. And and I just recently bought the album of that. Well, you bought that for me. That's one of my picks. You got got that that for me. That is one of my year picks. I think that's my 1990 pick and you bought that's that. That's mine too. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. That's a great Even album. I recommend that. I didn't listen to it in 1990. Oh, right. See, that's you what, what I mean. Saying. Like I didn't buy the tape. Mm-hmm. I knew about Tom Petty, but I would, I didn't seek him out and I mm-hmm. did decades later. And now. See, that's what's fun. That's what's fun. It's yeah. like my music taste has changed, but like in the past. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is, but I have discovered what I would call classic rock. Yes. And my kids call classic rock something different than I do. But for me, classic rock is that older, kind of like 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. even stuff that I wasn't like alive when it right. was. And what I'm they super into it. They think it's like 80s and 90s. Oh, they think that's classic it, which rock. Which hurts. They my, don't even know Which about. hurts my feelings. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Are you looking that one up? I love that. I lo- I just find Tom Petty, and some some are soothing. There's com- there's comfort music like comfort food. Um, that's it. That's it.
this may seem sort of an out of place kind of question for this, but to me, it's it's like the through line for our whole conversation. But it's like this connection, and I know that I'm sort of obsessed with that, but like this connection that, that music has, it's, it's almost like a buffer to connect us with other people. Mm-hmm. I really do think that. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like for those who have a hard time just like really like connecting with people in a maybe a socially traditional way that I feel like this, mm-hmm. like music is an underutilized tool I for that. I think so too. And even though my earlier example was about Michael Stipe, who's so political, yeah. this music stuff is such a, a balm for the the how, you know, how we've talked about people are so polarized, you yeah. know. And you can be polarized by music too, but you can also be brought together And it, and it is. It's something fun to talk about. People love it. You can like music of other people and you don't know anything else about them. You have that in common. I love going to concerts. I find generally there's a good, this isn't always true, but there's usually a good vibe there. Yeah. Camaraderie, you know. It's like food. We can sort of all, uh, we can't all agree, but everyone likes food. People like music. And you can learn about a person. And some people can't communicate very well. And this is a little shorthand to tell about yourself to people. I think that's all great. I, I think that's too. fun. I, I love it. So great. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. This week's show was produced by me, Lisa Valentine Clark, and McKay Menden, with music and sound design by Katie Johnson and Sam Clausen. If you want to continue the conversation that we've started today, make sure to join the Lisa Show listener community on Facebook, where you can connect with other listeners. Next week on the show, explain what your kids do on a typical summer day. I would say they sleep until like 12 or 1, probably. They're growing so fast. Yeah. (laughs) And then they probably get up and stay in their bed till like three or four, like looking at their phone, (laughs) (laughs) watching YouTube and TikTok. And then maybe they get out, maybe they move to their computer at that point. (laughs) That's next week on The Lisa Show. 